Hello, and welcome to the conference call with Anit Parikh, Salesforce partner. All phone lines are muted. Before we begin, we'd like to remind everyone that the members of the media and the press are not authorized to be on this call. If you are from the media or the press, please disconnect from the call now. The content presented on this conference call is proprietary to and or subject to the copyrights of Jeffries or third parties. Further, as a matter of legal compliance, we remind you that you must not attempt to elicit from any speaker at this event any material non-public information or other confidential information. And accordingly, the speaker may decline to respond to any question his or her sole discretion. We may not publish or otherwise publicly disclose the name of, or otherwise identify the speakers unless Jeffries permits it in writing. By attending this event, you agree to all these restrictions. It's now my pleasure to turn the call over to Brent Thill. Thanks, operator. Welcome to the software download and uh, welcome to Anit. Uh, he is currently managing director at Slalom, uh, one of the fastest growing Salesforce.com partners. Uh, in this role, he handles uh, CRM, digital strategy, marketing automation, data and analytics, uh, working with uh, with a number of the vendors uh, in, in the portfolio, including Snowflake. Uh, previously, he was the Salesforce uh, practice director at PwC uh, from 2012 to 2017. And he was also a director at Salesforce.com. Uh, so, Anit, really appreciate you joining. Uh, thanks for your time. Uh, may, maybe just to, to kick off um, at a 40,000 foot view, you know, many have asked, you know, kind of post pandemic and, and hopefully, uh, I guess now we have to put our masks back on in California when we're inside uh, now. But, but as we're kind of coming through this and hopefully we're going to shake the tail end of this off, like, what, what have you been seeing just in terms of overall, you know, behaviors? Um, you know, many, many are concerned that maybe there was a huge adoption cycle, you know, last year. And can that continue? Um, you know, the, the bulls will argue, well, this just tilted everything forward faster. And if you're not on this train, you got to get on now. And it's going to be good times to come for the next few years. You know, can, just give us your perspective and kind of where do you sit in that debate? Yeah, I, I would definitely uh, lean toward the bulls. I mean, uh, I, I, what we're seeing out there in the marketplace is uh, demand continues to be strong uh, for all types of digital transformation, not just Salesforce. But I think what the pandemic really did is, is it kind of exposed kind of the haves and the have-nots. And when we look at our client base, many of them recognized that they weren't where they needed to be relative to their competitors, relative to what their customer expectations were. Um, so we still see pretty strong demand in all forms of digital engagement and uh, digital transformation within the organization to drive productivity. One of the big uh, topics right now has been, you know, the Slack transaction. And, uh, you know, I think everyone's curious kind of what, what you think uh, happens and how quickly they can bring this into the fold. Maybe just give, give us your perspective on, on Slack and, you know, ultimately what you'd like to see kind of out of the gate now that they've got this transaction completed. Yeah, so I mean, I think uh, I think we're all kind of curious to see how this plays out. But, I mean, the Slack acquisition, uh, candidly, even in the partner ecosystem, is still very new. Uh, we're starting to see um, information just emerging, uh, a series of enablement sessions. If you think about it, there's, you know, numerous consulting partners out there. Uh, we, we all have to get up to speed pretty rapidly on this. And then, you know, we, we are all uh, conduits of Salesforce to their customers. And so being able to engage with customers. So I'd say that the messaging is still pretty early, but I, I think there's a couple things that really excite me about uh, potentially how this uh, Slack offering will play out. Number one, it, it's really just increased uh, productivity throughout the enterprise. So if we think about like just the way we work now uh, relative to even pre-pandemic, 
um, uh, how do we reduce emails? How do we reduce meetings? I think we can all agree that those would be great benefits if we can uh, reduce that. And so Slack plays a, a, a great opportunity in um, just uh, improving productivity. Um, the, the other thing I, I would say is um, speed of decision-making. Uh, we, we know that um, data is so critical uh, to um, how businesses operate and how they drive their decision-making, but Slack really allows for, by the elimination of these meetings and emails, um, how do we drive consensus faster, uh, especially in this distributed work environment? Um, and then I think maybe like a third tangential benefit is just kind of that uh, customer 360 and uh, knowing that Slack is being positioned as kind of the new user interface for the customer 360. Um, but how do we get information out to the masses of people, uh, the folks that are actually engaging with customers? So you don't necessarily have to be a, um, a traditional Salesforce user uh, of the platform, uh, but now being um, uh, on Slack and uh, being able to access data from Salesforce um, makes it very compelling that anyone who's engaging with a customer uh, has access to that information to make the right decision. So I, I think there's um, there's optimism in the, the consulting environment, and um, uh, this is really just, it, it's just playing out in front of our eyes right now, uh, still relatively new, but there is um, upbeat and optimism. It, it seems like it's only going to make sales and service and all the other clouds better. Can, can you maybe touch on, you know, that point of, you know, for example, I just had a client, you know, reach out and we were talking about a company. There was a data point asking about a multiple and a, and a transaction fee. I, I didn't have the data sitting in front of me and I didn't want to misquote a number. Mm -hmm. I opened up Microsoft Teams. I, I, I texted my colleague and in, in two seconds, you know, I had to answer because he was all over it. And, and, and when you think about, you know, what, what this can do in enhancing, you know, in that case, again, a service request from a client, it, right. it seems, um, I, I just, we have Salesforce installed. We spend little time in it. We spend almost all of our time in teams. It just seems like this is going to be the place that more users are going to spend more of their time and, and then leverage, leverage back into these clouds. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and that, that example you brought up, I mean, uh, I hear that all the time, right? Th things that used to be accomplished, using phone calls or emails or, or filing tickets, uh, now by being able to kind of swarm at activities. Like an example I give is in sales, um, you know, it's often a misnomer to think that salesperson is the person driving the deal. Uh, there is all those people behind the scenes, whether it's product or support or finance or marketing, uh, you have all those teams that virtually come together to transact on a specific deal. And so tools like uh, collaboration tools, like Slack, like Teams, uh, they, they help uh, accelerate uh, velocity on the, uh, on the teaming for these deals. But you, you could say the same situation uh, from a service standpoint. Uh, how do we get uh, the right people within an organization to virtually collaborate to solve that, that customer's issue? And so um, being able to kind of eliminate phone calls and emails and, and using these co collaboration and workflow tools um, certainly helps uh, achieve those desired goals faster. One of the uh, other topics we've heard from uh, other Salesforce partners is just this difficulty to find, you know, the right trained talent to staff some of these initiatives. Are, are you are you capacity constrained right now? And are you able to find the right people? Can you, can you just walk through maybe a little bit of you know how you're getting staffed, you know, for 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 these these initiatives that have have obviously come in a little bit harder than I think most most would have thought post pandemic. 
Yeah, I, I, I will say as a consulting partner, as a leader in this organization, my number one issue uh, right now is people, uh, whether it's uh, the hiring side, uh, making sure we have a good inflow of talented individuals joining your organization, and then retention. How do we keep the existing uh, uh, team members uh, motivated, happy, uh, compensated well, uh, and focused on client delivery? But I, I think if you look at the entire Salesforce ecosystem, uh, there is an absolute shortage of um, skilled, trained professionals out there. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Historically, my firm, we haven't really looked at um, hiring um, um, out of college, as an example, uh, right? We generally hire much more experienced uh, consultants. Uh, we've had to resort to um, looking at new channels of talent uh, in order to meet the demand. Um, so we are absolutely hiring out of college. Uh, we're looking at uh, moms returning uh, to the workforce. We're looking at um, uh, technical resources, uh, software engineers uh, that are maybe uh, a full stack developer. Uh, that are uh, interested in being trained on Salesforce. So we're, we're having to be creative in order to meet the demands for talent uh, in order to meet the supply of work that's out there. And, and when you think just, you know, overall kind of 21 over 20, I mean, do you, do you feel is an, an acceleration in terms of demand? Is it, is it more kind of stable from what you saw in 20? How, how would you characterize just the overall height of the wave of, uh, uh, of demand, is it, you know, whatever analogy you want to use to describe it, not looking for specific numbers, but just how you would, how you would frame, um, you know, what, what, what you're seeing this year over last year. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I'm a little bit older, so I, I can go back to the dot-com days, but this is reminiscent of the demand we used to see during the dot-com days. Like everyone came out of, I, I would say, uh, end of, end of the year, start of, uh, um, start of 2021 when budgets kind of opened up, um, just explosive growth across the board. Um, just such demand. There, it was almost like, uh, <laughs> let's say like panic buying. Uh, 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 clients recognized that they needed to get going with these initiatives that either they've been putting off or they put out in the future and they, they recognized that they weren't uh, going to be able to maintain market share or be competitive uh, if they didn't take a, a substantial leap forward. And you know, when, when I look at just like even the types of work we were doing, historically, I would say, you know, we would do a sales cloud project or a service cloud project or a marketing cloud project. These, these days, what we see a lot of, or I would say a higher portion of our work is multi-cloud. And, um, and, and so it's a, I think it's a recognition by our clients. They, they just can't make small changes, but they're going to have to make significant changes to their enterprises uh, to be able to uh, compete uh, in the marketplace out there. Um, so I would say it's an unusually high demand. Now, I, I'm a realist here. We, we don't expect this to continue forever. Uh, but uh, I think there's just been so much awareness raised in organizations. And even maybe 2020 uh, was an opportunity for uh, some of our client organizations to take a step back and really look at uh, the health of their entire organization. Um, you know, I, I think the pandemic really accelerated some of these transformational initiatives that just would not have been as high a priority had they not seen um, uh, the disruption in engagement with their customers and their employees and their uh, their business partners. And, and when you kind of say the dot com, I think everyone kind of cringes and, and remembers the San Francisco ballpark with with uh, pets dot com and Webvan and uh, uh, the others <laughs> that that kind of crashed and burned. I mean, what what are you worried that we're going to have too much of a sugar rush and we're going to come down this on the other side a little harder? What, what do you think is different this time? Maybe if you compared to 
because because the last time wasn't exactly pretty on the other side of the mountain. Yeah. No, and I should clarify. So the the demand is similar to what we saw on the the dot com side. Like, uh, customers being less price sensitive, that they're just ready to go. Um, I you know, at being a realist here and having seen kind of these business cycles, um, I, I think obviously this demand is going to decrease over time. But I think it'll be softer than it was like uh, when we think back to 2000. That was a pretty firm, hard crash. Um, this I believe will be a little bit softer. And I think part of the reason is. Uh, the, the business models that our clients are offering are much stronger. Um, and, and the reality is uh, digital transformation, it's here to stay. Uh, remote working, it, it's here to stay. Like th- these are all monumental shifts that have taken place during the pandemic um, that we're not going to give those gains back necessarily. So the, the, it, I think the recognition is uh, we have some first movers or, and you can almost think of them as, they could also be considered late movers, uh, but they're making that jump out the gate right now. And then uh, we expect to see sustained demand uh, into in future years. Uh, we, 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 we are growing our organization to be able to handle that demand. Um, but, you know, the realist in me says, yeah, uh, this, this demand we're seeing right now, there's a short-term surge. But there, there are um, gains we're going to see from a, a digital engagement, digital transformation that will continue to follow in subsequent years as some of those uh, um, laggard uh, companies, laggard industries continue to follow through with some of the demand that we're seeing right now. You know, it seemed like last year, you know, the most, one of the most popular products was Commerce Cloud, which made sense. Everyone had to close up mm-hmm. and go to, go to, go to Demandware and, and obviously some of the marketing, digital marketing tools. And when you think about kind of as you look forward over the next year, you know, is there, is there a product that seems to be really resonating, you know, that, that, that maybe they've had or it's new and, you know, you're really seeing strong uptake that, um, or, or is it just, hey, look, everyone's you know betting on the entire platform, and so it's hard to really call out one or the other. Yeah, I, I think there's a couple of standouts. I mean, I would say in general, we're, we're seeing strong growth across the entire uh, portfolio. Um, these products are working better together, and so that that's been uh, uplifting. Uh, but when I when I look at um, um, you mentioned commerce. Commerce is very interesting. So uh, there's the the consumer side, and that continues to do well. Um, uh, you, you will find that the larger organizations, um, um, that, that's not a competitive value because of the, the revenue sharing uh, agreement with Salesforce. Um, I think the more interesting side is the B2B side of that equation. Um, and I'll give you a, an example. Uh, when we think about uh, some of the winners of the pandemic, uh, life sciences uh, companies, uh, they, they were near the top. They, they did very well. The products were in high demand during the pandemic. Um, but they're used to selling through a traditional sales model. Uh, you know, and you know, like the diagnostic business is pretty interesting. Um, they sell instruments, uh, kind of a, the analogy of the printer and printing. They sell the diagnostic equipment, uh, and then they sell like the consumable assays and test kits. Well, that's where the high margin business is. Uh, but they're using their high value sellers uh, to sell both. When um, when a B2B commerce channel would have been advisable, go sell the, uh, take your high value sellers, get them focused on selling the equipment and use a, uh, a lower cost channel to sell those consumables, those repeatable sales. And so I, I think there's plenty of opportunity on the B2B commerce side uh, that hasn't been fully exploited yet uh, as, um, con- uh, as companies become more aware of the capabilities and the, the possibilities of offloading some of those sales through the commerce channel. Uh, the, the other product that really stuck out to me was marketing. Um, I, I believe that's probably been one of our highest growing areas of our Salesforce business. Uh, and, and again, 
some of this is pandemic related and the, the need for digital engagement, knowing uh, whether it's a, a mobile device or, or a traditional email marketing channels, that um, digital engagement with consumers is going to be continue to grow in, in different ways. Um, but I also think it's just um, representative of just greater awareness in the consulting ecosystem. Um, you know, we, we've talked about in the past, uh, there's just so many products in that portfolio. It's very hard for a, a smaller consulting firm to be an expert in all of those. And larger consulting firms, you just have to have a really wide bench of people with expertise in those different areas. So I think Marketing Cloud is starting to come into its own. Uh, it's starting to get um, much greater visibility in the uh, partner ecosystem. Uh, and then we're starting to see better integration between Marketing Cloud and those core sales and service products. Um, so uh, enablement and education and awareness, that's such a key part of adoption of these products. And so um, I would say 2020 and uh, heading here into 2021, uh, we've seen great gains in uh, marketing cloud awareness uh, just in the partner ecosystem. The other um, big, big topic um, some, from some of the other partners is, and, and this is across Wall Street too, they, they want Mr. Benioff to kind of take a break and digest everything he's put in the shopping cart. <laughs> Can you just talk yeah. to, you know, the pace uh, of, of acquisitions here in, in the digestion? It, it seems that, you know, it, it, you know, Wall, Wall Street's number one focus was, hey, take a break and, and get your margins up rather than just keep, you know, and, and I think it calls into question their ability to organically innovate. And, and mm -hmm. if you listen to, you know, the CEO of Adobe, he'll, He'll poke fun at them and say, "Look, you know, we've got three clouds. They have 15. They announce a new cloud every other day, and they're just confusing customers." Can you can you just talk to? Obviously, that's competitive banner uh, between the two. But can you talk to the the focus that you think they need to bring here on on just digesting? Yeah, I I, I think that's a fair comment. Um, and, and you know, it, it's not only Wall Street analysts, it's consulting partners, it's customers, uh, but it's even their employees. Um, uh, the, 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 the portfolio has grown so rapidly. It, it's In the old days, you could have a person that was an expert at all the Salesforce products. The reality is that's just not feasible today. And so um, um, I, I think as a consulting partner, uh, I, I would be supportive of that. <laughs> I would love to kind of digest what we got here and make that better. Um, so, uh, but, but I think this is also reflective of the Salesforce culture of just moving fast and rapidly growing. And so it, it, it's kind of expected. Um, but yeah, I, I believe uh, you, you would find a, a good percentage of the partner ecosystem uh, in, in the customer base that would just like to digest what they've already bought. And so that, that's one of the, um, I think that's probably one of the challenges that's ahead. It, like uh, customers have been trained to kind of buy in that Q4 timeframe uh, before the end of the year. Uh, and then, you know, they, they're buying bundles of products. Um, so even with these new announcements coming out, they are still trying to digest what they've purchased, roll that out. And then depending on the amount of products they've purchased, it could be 12, it could be 24 months before that's actually in uh, fully realized. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that's, a, that's a, going to be an ongoing challenge uh, for Salesforce uh, as they uh, continue to grow and acquire new companies. Um, how do they enable customers fast enough and consulting partners fast enough to uh, get those products launched into, into a live production environment? Uh, before they can consume any of the new acquisitions coming through. One of the big areas that at least, you know, we, we've seen is uh, just this whole concept of a process automation. So 
how can Salesforce get smarter and do the, the tasks for us rather than us doing the tasks? You know, for example, if you've got a bunch of customer calls on your calendar, you know, is there some type of widget then they could log those calls basically after you do them to say you've had the engagement versus having to go back into the system and do it. So this concept of, of making the system, you know, do the work for you rather than you doing the work as the end user. Can you, can you speak to what you're seeing around kind of this uh, ability to help improve the, the process flow rather than us doing all the manual uh, input on, on our own? Yeah, so I think um, um, consulting firms have certainly um, complemented uh, some of the, the core capabilities of the Salesforce platform and they've extended it. So uh, I think your example of, hey, you just had a meeting, uh, you want to prompt the sales rep to say, um, log that meeting, or do you want to automate that? I, I think those conversations are um, exciting to customers. And if you talk to like the sales rep, the sales reps want to spend as little time as possible logging information. They want to benefit from the information there. And, and their management desires kind of visibility into what's occurred. Um, so um, all these process automation tools um, or add-ons, um, they would certainly be welcome uh, by customers alike. Um, I, I think there's significant opportunity here. Um, uh, if we can eliminate a lot of these manual steps to get the information in the Salesforce, uh, that's really going to drive adoption. Uh, and, it, it, I, and like, think about it. Um, I, I always love to give the sales example. Um, sellers, their, their most valuable time is space time with clients. It's not logging information in the system. Uh, that, that's necessary because that's an asset uh, of the company uh, and that, you know, it demonstrates their kind of um, their uh, uh, commitment uh, and, uh, and just kind of their, their productivity. Uh, but the actual logging of that information, um, th that's, that's admin time. And so um, th this, this really helps these types of um, capabilities Will certainly help give those sellers more face time with customers. Your um your number one kind of constructive feedback to to them right now. What 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 were what were the things you'd like to see more of? Um. So as as a partner, and, and I'm, I'm looking at this through the partner lens. Um. We we have started seeing Salesforce compete with us uh, more than uh, historically. Um. So that that's been kind of interesting to see. Uh, uh, the, the competition there. And, and we know that there's things being done in place to kind of uh, reduce that channel conflict, but that's been probably the most eye-opening uh, um, turn that we've seen recently. Salesforce has always had um, a, a sizable professional services organization, but it seems more um, than previously that we're starting to see them in uh, um, joint accounts together. Um, so I, I think uh, maybe just uh, reduction in the channel conflict and uh, improved partnering there. And then I, I think, Brent, the, the other um, comment you made about the, uh, the acquisition. So um, irrespective of the pace of acquisition, uh, the, the increased education and enablement of the partners as those new products get launched or as new innovation comes about, um, you know, we, we kind of think of ourselves as um, kind of a middleman. <laughs> If uh, you, you've got the sales employees, you've got the, the partners, uh, and you've got the customers. And, and, uh, and so um, faster enablement of those partners uh, will, will have a dramatic impact on our ability to support customers uh, in a, an accelerated manner uh, as new innovation comes out of uh, Salesforce. Just on the first one on the consulting, you know, overlap, what, 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 
has that been recent or has that been something that you've seen happening in the last several years? Yeah, so, so that conflict, or I would say that um, competition uh, has, has always occurred. So it, it's nothing new. Uh, it, it just seems that recently there's been a greater uptick in the uh, in, in the professional service. And part of this is, you know, they've acquired companies like Velocity as an example. And so they have specialized teams for those different products now. Um, so I, I think just internally, uh, we continue to see probably increased pressure uh, there, uh, where um, should be more as like a, a partnership, but at, at times just, you know, how this gets executed in the field. Uh, you, you may have these different firms, uh, uh, you may you may see their, their professional services organization competing with a consulting partner, which which always kind of raises an eyebrow if you're the partner. Yeah. No, that's good feedback. Um, w- one of the other um, questions we had was just around, you know, cannonballing or dipping the toe in, and and the, you know this concept of, I think AT and T obviously was in bad need of better customer service because it's been pretty terrible mm-hmm. anytime you've tried to go to them, but. They they did right. what we what we had heard is a two hundred fifty million dollar transaction with Salesforce. You know when you think about those large transformative deals versus uh cannonballing versus you know dipping your toe in. Are, are you seeing more companies doing the cannonball where they're just going it going all in uh, on 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 multiple solutions right out of the gate, or do you still see they hey we're going to phase in on sales and we're going to go to service we're going to We'll, we'll layer in on marketing. What, what, have, you, have you observed any general trend over the last couple of years of what you're, what you're seeing clients do? Yeah, I, I will absolutely say in um, kind of Q, uh, I, I guess we would say they're Q4, but like if you look at January of this year, um, the uptick in the number of bundled product sales uh, was significantly higher than what we are accustomed to seeing. Now, just because a client buys um, five Salesforce products doesn't mean they launch them immediately. Um, you know, and I, I think that's one of the things uh, customers need to think through. Obviously, um, those those products are going to be delivered over time. So what we are seeing is a, a bigger commitment, or I would say, um, uh, we, we are seeing clients in general make larger commitments to multiple Salesforce products through the bundling. Um, uh, but but that and that and then these initiatives take, you know, in some cases multiple years to fully realize um, adoption of all those products, launch all those products. Um, so that, that's been kind of interesting um, kind of turn coming out of the pandemic and just seeing uh, the, the larger commitment to transformation. Got it. Uh, I'm going to turn you over to my partner, Love. He's got a handful of questions as well, and we can take questions from the audience as well on the online portal. Love? Uh, thanks, Brent. Uh, hey, I mean, just wanted to ask a quick follow-up on the demand comment that you made around, you know, the, the surge or like a surge in demand. Could you maybe give us some color around any verticals that you're seeing strength in or, or verticals that were impacted during the pandemic kind of coming back? And then is this new logos versus, uh, you know, is it mostly expands? Could you give some color there? Yeah, so if, if I were to look back at 2020, um, we saw significant gains in uh, public sector. Uh, you think about all these near real-time immediate applications that needed to be delivered uh, to manage uh, uh, the pandemic. Um, 
public sector, um, life sciences, again, the, the tremendous growth life sciences companies experienced uh, in order to uh, handle the surge in their uh, product consumption. Um, and then um, uh, th those are probably the, the two industries that rise to the top. What we're seeing here in 2021 is all the other industries starting to catch up. So retail is spending money again. Uh, manufacturing, uh, you know, they've got their peoples in the factories now. Uh, we're seeing growth there. Uh, and then even financial services. Uh, you, you could say like last year, uh, 2020, uh, uh, mortgage companies were doing relatively well. And uh, so they were buying products and services to improve their sales, marketing, and service capabilities. Uh, but uh, I think here in 2021, we're still kind of seeing the broader portfolio of financial services companies uh, continue to invest in uh, technology. And then uh, I would think like uh, utilities companies have been doing really well. Um, uh, a lot of that uh, deals with uh, these field service engagements and just general customer service. But knowing that um, that that is a um, that is an industry that is ripe for transformation and seeing um, uh, not necessarily very uh, recession uh, uh, or um, the, the economy really doesn't impact those utility companies. Uh, they tend to uh, perform. Uh, uh, they tended to perform as well during the pandemic. So we're, we're seeing a lot of utility companies and energy companies um, uh, that have this legacy technology that's being uh, torn out now. Um, you know, very, uh, I would say, late adopter of technology. Um, and then I, I think just in, in general, um, uh, even some of the media and entertainment companies, um, I'm, I'm based in Southern California. We're seeing a, a strong uptick in uh, obviously all the streaming services have done well during the pandemic. So we're seeing continued investment in uh, digital engagement in uh, media and entertainment. That's, that's great. Any, any color on new logos versus expands kind of like well, what has been your mix and has it shifted one way or the other? Well, I, I think uh, one of the interesting, um, I think outcomes of the pandemic or, or the, uh, drivers of the pandemic, uh, initially we buckled down and we focused on those existing accounts. It was much harder to engage with new customers, um, but being having the ability to work with existing customers, uh, you already had existing uh, uh, contractual relationships in place, you, you already had that built-in trust. I, I, I believe that carried over into uh, uh, 2021. Uh, now, and it's not to say we're not seeing new logos come on board because that, that's still happening. But, uh, but I think there is this kind of this reflection and recognition that our existing customers uh, were, were going to help us get through the pandemic. And so uh, we, we continue to see that. So, um, yeah, I, I would say uh, just overall, uh, really deep focus on those existing accounts and how do we uh, help them do more and uh, get better adoption out of the platform. Uh, but, but again, yes, there still is new logo growth. But, uh, you know, me personally and what I've seen uh, it's been deeper penetration into that existing uh, uh, account portfolio, those existing logos. Got it. That's, that's helpful color. Um, maybe digging into, you know, one of the organic innovations that Salesforce did last year, well, late last year was the revenue cloud. Um, obviously, they do have a billings product. They do have CPQ as well. Could you maybe talk a little bit about what you're seeing specifically within billing, CPQ, revenue cloud? and how those are kind of interfacing together and are they driving deals now? Yeah, I, I would say CPQ is definitely a clear differentiator uh, when we think about um, some of the, the new uh, clients that we have started working with. Um, CPQ was very compelling to them. 
when, when they look at a product uh, like CPQ, uh, they think about, uh, for example, uh, potentially uh, new margin opportunities, uh, new upsell capabilities, uh, and, and just being able to um, reduce uh, the, the cycle time of a deal. Um, so it's giving um, uh, organizations and their sales teams uh, more capacity to be able to drive more deals in parallel. So um, CPQ is absolutely probably um, one of our significant areas of growth that we're seeing. Um, and we definitely see that as a differentiator in the buying cycle. Um, and then billing, um, uh, I would say billing still relatively uh, immature. Uh, you know, when I, when I think about the overall revenue plus, um, CBC by far and away uh, much more impactful at this point. But uh, we, we absolutely see um, companies that they look at like subscription models. Um, some of our company, uh, some of our clients, for example, they're transitioning uh, to SaaS products. And so um, billing will be um, uh, a, a big um, opportunity for them uh, to be able to transform their product models and their business models as they look at more subscription-based uh, services and products. Um, but yeah, I, I think relative, if you think about the overall revenue plan, by far and away, CPQ is still the, the biggest component of that revenue plan. Got it. That's helpful, Color. Um, maybe diving a little bit into the sales cloud piece, it's you know it's a five billion dollar plus annual runway business. It's still growing low to mid teens. I guess the fear you know among investors that we talk to at least is that it's a mature business. It's fairly well penetrated, and that the end market is saturated. You know, it, could you maybe talk a little bit about the core, maybe the core sales product? Is is it still growing? Like I, I you know, is, is that opportunity more greenfield or is it displacing existing vendors? Yeah, so it's interesting. Uh, as many years as I've been in this business, sales cloud still continues to be king. And uh, while there may be this perception uh, of sales cloud being saturated, uh, we, we still see significant opportunity. I mean, it's by far and away the uh, number one product area that we focus on. And, and so oftentimes when, when um, people think, oh, hey, the Salesforce sales cloud market is saturated, uh, when, when you're working with a global organization, uh, when you're working with global companies, you might have, for example, their U.S. organizations on Salesforce, uh, but they've got all these affiliates and subsidiaries around the world that are potentially not on Salesforce, so uh, on, on Sales Cloud. And so, uh, oftentimes, uh, we see um, there, there may be a client that's already adopted Salesforce in one region of the world, uh, but now they need to adopt and extend that capability to other regions of the world. And oftentimes when they're uh, taking um, regions that have Salesforce with regions that don't have Salesforce, um, there's a good deal of work that's required. Um, it could be uh, data privacy, as an example, if it's European uh, 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 customers you're dealing with. And so we still see sales cloud um, having significant legs, um, you know, especially in the, the mid-market enterprise space. That, that's really the space we work in. Uh, we still see strong growth opportunities there. Uh, once you start doing the SMB, that's a much more competitive space. Uh, you know, and th that segment also tends to be much more price sensitive. I think that's where there's probably opportunity to swap out existing products, uh, or it's much more competitive uh, with other products. Uh, but in, in the enterprise and mid-market space, we still we still see Salesforce as very dominant. Uh, but we see opportunity uh, uh, with existing customers that just have not been able to get uh, global adoption of Sales Cloud, and so there's still a significant growth opportunity there. Got it. it. It has 
you know, the Salesforce, I know they have, you know, the Essentials product. Has that kind of helped with the down market penetration a bit, or is it still too price? I don't know. Is, is it priced at a premium for like SMBs to get, you know, really excited about Sales Cloud, if you will? Yeah, and I'm sorry, Love, uh, your phone cut out. <laughs> Could you just repeat that question? Yeah, so I, I was saying I know they have essentials, Salesforce essentials. It, has that helped yes. with down market penetration a bit? Uh, so I, I'm going to be candid with you. I haven't worked with the, the Salesforce essentials product. Um, yeah, so I, that's a question that I wouldn't be able to answer. Got it. Um, maybe on the service cloud, um, I know if that's a part of the business that's growing faster, um, you know, what, what is kind of the opportunity set here and, you know, who, are, are there competitors in the space that could give them a run for their money, if you will, on the service cloud side? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so, I mean, we're, we continue to be excited about the service cloud business. Um, I, I think we look at the way uh, the pandemic really transformed the way um, services are delivered, uh, whether it's through chat, uh, whether it's through um, uh, uh, live chat, uh, chat bots, um, uh, virtual support. Um, so I, I think when we look at the sales uh, service cloud product, um, we, we think it's bigger than just Salesforce. Uh, there are uh, partners in the space. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example, ServiceMax. Um, they've built this Asset 360 project, uh, product in collaboration with Salesforce to really transform the way field service is going to take place. So uh, we, we know that the service models that uh, accelerated during the pandemic will um, continue to grow. Um, and like, I'll give you another example. Uh, during the pandemic, we saw um, companies literally shut down for weeks uh, because people physically couldn't get into the call centers to answer calls. And so that's really driven this contact center as a service uh, model, um, uh, driven that to the forefront in Salesforce uh, with their technologies as well as their um, integrated technologies to other third parties like a Five9 or like an InContact or even Amazon Connect. Uh, those are going to continue to grow. So I, I think the um, overall pie here, uh, it's, it's continuing to grow as companies look to modernize their um, support services, whether it's through Salesforce or one of those partner um, companies in the ecosystem. So we, we tend to be excited. Um, you know, I, I'll give you one example. We have a client, for example, um, that um, deals with elderly customers and, uh, and how they can troubleshoot um, healthcare products, uh, as an example. Well, the pandemic made it very difficult to get people physically on site in that location with that customer. And so now they're um, looking at uh, technologies uh, that uh, embed augmented reality uh, into uh, the product so that they don't, uh, the, the service technician doesn't physically need to be on site with that customer. Uh, now, I, I think the big challenge here is uh, you got to make sure you have the right uh, customer population on the other side uh, to be able to use these technologies. But we're seeing leaps and bounds of changes that are taking place um, through some of these uh, other complementary technologies integrated with Salesforce that's really gonna to continue to change the way um, services service delivered both um, in person, online, and um, you know, traditional support channels are gonna to continue to evolve. Got it, no, that's helpful, Connor. Um, maybe one on the competitive side, I guess, you know, in, in the survey that we run, typically Microsoft 
tends to be identified as the biggest competitor. Um, you know, they cited this past quarter that they're having increasing tractions with their dynamics business. So, you know, who do you see most often in, uh, in deals? Um, is it Microsoft? And then, you know, is, is Salesforce kind of winning? Has the win rate kind of improved or is it kind of like the same as it has been historically? Yeah, I, I would say, um, uh, and, and again, it, it depends on the uh, specific platform area, right? If it was core sales cloud and service cloud, um, yeah, we, we definitely see Microsoft uh, uh, probably is the most common competitor. Uh, now, we're, we're in a unique position where we implement both Salesforce and Dynamics, uh, or at least have the capabilities there. I will tell you by far and away, our, our Salesforce business uh, far exceeds our, our Dynamics business. Typically, when we see Microsoft uh, Dynamics uh, in the picture or being evaluated by the client, um, it, it often depends on who, who the buyer of the, of the, the product is. Uh, generally speaking, if the business is driving that decision making, uh, they're going to pick Salesforce uh, from a features, function, capability, even familiarity. Um, you think about all the, <laughs> the millions of Salesforce users that are out there when they switch companies, they don't want to relearn another tool. Um, so I think that gives them a great competitive advantage. Uh, typically, when we see dynamics out there, uh, it, it's IT that's making the business decision. Um, you know, they've made some sort of enterprise license deal with Microsoft and bundle SharePoint and Office 365 and dynamics as part of that uh, purchase. And so somebody in the IT organization is saying, hey, we've already bought these CRM licenses. Why wouldn't we use them? Um, so that, that's generally what, when we see a dynamic decision taking place, it, it's really is the business in control of this decision making or is the IT organization the CIO in charge of this decision making um, on the, the marketing side obviously uh, Adobe is a very formidable competitor uh, and then there's tons of these smaller partners that we, we see out there uh, the marketing um, the MarTech uh, environment is very fragmented and so um, you know if a company is looking for something I would say a little bit more comprehensive a little bit heavier uh, multi-channel uh, well, well, Salesforce Marketing Cloud is a great decision for that. Uh, but if they have very specialized needs and they're kind of looking at this um, almost in silos, um, uh, you know, one of these thousands of tools that are out there, if there's a, like a mobile first strategy, uh, they'll look at a product like Braze as an example in, in that engagement. So it really just depends on um, what are the driving factors in that decision-making process. Uh, but, but the marketing environment is very competitive. Uh, I would say m much more so than the sales and service environment where Salesforce is very dominant. Um, and then you can go into um, like the integration technology. Um, you know, uh, MuleSoft, uh, while it's doing very well, again, uh, I think that's a very competitive space. Uh, we see uh, Boomi doing extremely well. And then, you know, uh, Informatica being kind of the incumbent in that space. We see a lot of clients that um, still have those legacy skills in Informatica. Um, that, uh, that Informatica is still a, a competitor in that space as well. Um, so anyway, uh, I hope I hope that answers your question, Leslie. Yeah, no, it, it does. It does. Any any color on? Do you see HubSpot at all or Zendesk at all in any of these deals, or are they too small and they don't typically come up? Generally, when we've seen HubSpot, it's we are replacing HubSpot, uh, and, and again, this has to do with the customer segment we're dealing with the the upper mid market and the enterprise space. Uh, generally, like HubSpot has been a good starting point for these marketing or organizations, and uh, you know, they, they need something more sophisticated. 
Um, so uh, definitely in kind of the lower end of the mid-market and the small business HubSpot still is a formidable. We, we just typically don't see it uh, based on the clients we work with. And I'd say a very similar comment about Zendesk. Um, Zendesk, we, we just don't see it uh, very commonly in like the upper mid-market and the, in the, uh, the enterprise space. Got it. Um, could you, you know, one question on Tableau, obviously, uh, we, we had, you know, another partner on who mentioned that there was, uh, you know, like, could you, could you talk a little bit about the integration from the integration perspective, how has Tableau been fully integrated with Salesforce and what, what more could be done there, you know, in, in terms of the integration? And then you say integration, just to be for clear, are you talking about from a product standpoint or from a go-to-market or both? <laughs> uh, both, but more so from a product standpoint. Yeah, yeah. So I, I will say uh, from a uh, from a go-to-market sales standpoint, uh, those teams are working much better together. Um, I, I think when we talked uh, earlier about the, the product bundling and multiple platforms, uh, Tableau is almost always a part of those bundles. Um, uh, and, and so we're seeing the, the pandemic really help push uh, data and analytics to be a critical, uh, you know, top five um, CEO uh, type priority. And so, um, uh, so we think Tableau has benefited uh, greatly from that. In, in terms of the, the product integration, uh, it's still a work in progress. Uh, you know, generally when we see uh, our customers that our clients that have both uh, Salesforce, Sales Cloud, Salesforce Service Cloud, and Tableau. Those are generally standalone products, so that if if you are if you have both products, you are going to swivel chair between the two technologies. I, I will say, um, you know, there are ways, uh, and that's why you would hire a company like my firm uh, if you wanted to um, make that uh, kind of a seamless user experience uh, where the Tableau is embedded within Salesforce. There are absolutely ways to do that. But today, that's not a native capability. Uh, that, that requires some engineering uh, to be able to um, uh, pr provide that uh, kind of that optimized user experience. Uh, but but I, I believe in the future, that will be a, a capability. But today, um, for the uh, average uh, company that has both these uh, products, Core Salesforce, uh, CRM, and, and Tableau, uh, these are going to be multiple unintegrated products. Behind the scenes, they, they've obviously made it easier. Uh, to uh, feed that data between those products, uh, but from a user experience, it still feels like different products. Got it. That's helpful. Um, a couple of client questions that we've gotten, and again, if, if you have any questions, please feel free to enter them. Uh, do you have any visibility into Zoom info? I, I do not. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, Zoom, uh, we're, we're not... Um, it's not really one of the capabilities that uh, I'm working with. Okay. Uh, another question around, you know, Snowflake um, and demand for Snow's platform and volume there. Any any insights or views there? Yeah. So we we are very excited about Snowflake, uh, and you know, we we think about what Salesforce has done to disrupt the uh, CRM uh, marketplace. We see Snowflake doing that having that same type of impact in the data warehouse space. And so, um, the, and, and oftentimes what we see with Snowflake, they're starting with a small pilot, uh, 50K, 100K. Uh, they're taking uh, small pieces of workloads um, 
that are uh, reserved for their traditional data uh, warehousing environment, moving that to Snowflake. And what they're what they're able to see is uh, they're able to do uh, a lot more, a lot faster, uh, for a lot less uh, with the Snowflake environment. And then when you combine that with Salesforce, uh, now you have this opportunity to take uh, all this amazing data that's collected across your enterprise and get it into the hands of those customer-facing um, teams. Uh, so we're very excited uh, about Snowflake by itself, but we're also uh, excited about how um, Snowflake and uh, Salesforce uh, and Tableau CRM is an example from an analytics standpoint, um, how these products will coexist together and, and, uh, and, and really help uh, drive greater adoption in companies. Awesome. One, one last question from me, um, I guess, you know, Dreamforce 2021, it's, you know, it, it's supposed to be in September. Um, I guess, could you, you know, give us like your expectations for it? Um, will, it will it kind of be like the marquee event that it has been previously or in, in terms of demand generation and stuff? Yeah, I, I think it's still uh, questionable still be the, the marquee event that has been years. Um, you know, what, what's been publicly shared is uh, it's going to be a distributed event. So we're not going to have, you know, 100,000 plus people in San Francisco. Uh, it's going to be restricted to a smaller audience of uh, senior leaders. Uh, think, think of it as like the executive track. And so as a result, even as a consulting partner, uh, we are going to have a much more limited presence uh, at kind of the, the main uh, Dreamforce event in San Francisco. Now, the, kind of the, the side benefit is uh, it will be distributed in multiple cities. Uh, and allows those connections with those local customers, those local clients, to happen more uh, easily. Uh, and it may, in some respects, uh, drive greater turnout across the board. Uh, you know, with companies trying to uh, temper down on spending, uh, as an example, uh, we may be able to see more people being able to participate in the Dreamforce experience in person because it's going to be distributed in these local cities. Um, and then, of course, there's always going to be the option of the the streaming of the content. So I, I would say overall, uh, the Dreamforce planning is still underway in most organizations because I think we were all kind of waiting to hear um, the, uh, the format and, and, and kind of the, 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 the logistics of how this would be handled. Uh, but I know our teams are aggressively working through this and figuring out uh, where our, our people are going to be logistically. Um, so I, I think the potential is absolutely there. Um, it, it's just going to be different. Uh, I, I don't think anyone can can be, uh, uh, give you with a great deal of accuracy how this year will be relative to the other years because it's so different than what we've experienced in the past. Awesome. Well, it's, it's at least uh, they're doing it in person, so it'll, it'll be fun nonetheless. Um, and yeah, uh, thank you again, Anit, for your time. I really appreciate it and look forward to having you back on. Yeah, well, well thank you everyone for your time. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Bye.